beautiful people. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. I'm delighted to, to have the very talented Ivy Wong. Wong? Wong. Yes. And Vietnamese, it's pronounced Vung, but Vietnamese is a very tonal language, so I totally <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah. So so she she has curated this wonderful exhibit over at uh um creative arts workshop it's called uh across land across water and uh it is centering vietnamese artists and uh i just love it i went and saw it when it had its opening reception it is stunning beautiful so tell me the story about your art journey uh you are a student at yale university i think you're graduating next year Right. Yes. So this is my last year at Yale. Um, So my journey with art history has been sort of, uh, it's been an interesting one for sure. I took art history back in my junior year of high school, and I took it mainly not knowing much about art um, from a background that didn't really get to go to museums. And so I took this class not expecting too much and absolutely fell in love with it came to Yale knowing that I wanted to study art history. Um, And then I kind of uh, took a class called the long 1960s in my sophomore year. And, you know, having Vietnamese boat refugee parents, I was really expecting um, to learn more about them through the lens of art. Um, And throughout that entire course, uh, never really saw anything from their perspective or the Vietnamese people's perspective. And it was, uh, very jarring, and I was quite, you know, I was fascinated, but also concerned, and I wondered what I could do. Um, and so, for my final project for that class, I, you know, researched Vietnamese art on my own, discovered these beautiful watercolors by an artist named Tiffany Chung, um, and I filmed myself presenting them to my mother in a video project. And it was the most beautiful thing. We were in a car in San Diego. This is, you know, height of COVID. And and she just saw her story for the first time visualized and beautified. And not that it wasn't beautiful in the first place, but in a way that affirmed that it was beautiful. And gosh, like an outpouring of stories that I had never heard before came um, on video. And you know, I spent, I grew up listening to the stories, you know, the refugee camps of the journey, but um, some, some details I, I had never heard before. And she said it, said them in such excited tones that I then realized then the importance of being seen, um, being seen in art, being seen on museum walls, um, seeing yourself and your story celebrated, especially because it's such an important era, um, not only in like U.S. history, but, you know, history in many places, um, Southeast Asia in particular. Um, so that's the story of how I arrived um, and what I do now, which is curating. Um, I decided that that was sort of the path I wanted to take in order to uplift underrepresented narratives like my mother's. So, mm. so, uh, so being a, a Vietnamese woman, uh, you want to curate and make sure that Vietnamese artists are centered in spaces where they traditionally would not have not been in. Absolutely. Like the imagery that we typically see of Vietnamese people in art history or history um, is very much of them as like a, a recipient, a victim of 
of war and helpless um, recipients of US aid um, and that their lives were ending. And it's very much not a narrative that continues to this day. Um, obviously, I stand here. Um, I am here, you know, at Yale studying art history. Um, like the Vietnamese people, a lot people's lives didn't end in 1975. With the right. Gone, right. So, um, yeah, that's definitely the work I want to do as a Vietnamese woman to have these narratives out there for people to celebrate them widely and through art. So, so tell me, um, so how did you how did you come to curate this show at the Creative Arts Workshop? And it's stunning, by the way. Like oh. it, it's just such a. I mean, I, it just took my breath away to be in the space, upstairs, downstairs, two different exhibits, but equally, equally stunning. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was quite a, a fascinating, interesting journey, I will say. Um, it's about a two and a half month journey that began. I was in Bentonville, Arkansas, working at Crystal Bridges <laughs> um, Museum of American Art and the Contemporary Art Department. Craziest of places. And I felt... <clears throat> this faded call to sort of explore Art Space New Haven's Instagram for the first time. Um, and I saw that they had put out this curator open call that was due in a week. And I was like, well, am I a curator? And I had to ask myself that question as I was, you know, an intern at this museum, um, you know, halfway across the country. Um, and I decided yes, because I have something to say. Um, and so I, you know, drafted a proposal, I sent it in and lo and behold, a within week, a week, you within did this? a week. Yes. And oh, you are a curator. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a call a week later from Gabriel Sacco over at um, Artspace New Haven. And he said, you got it. So that began my two and a half month journey of Googling, reaching out to artists, holding Zoom calls, and then finally arriving back in New Haven um, a week early before school started and visiting all of their studios, getting to see their work. And my goodness, as someone who had, hadn't curated their own exhibition before, um, for these artists to be like, hey, these are my, these, this is my collection and choose whatever you'd like. Um, wow, I, I was definitely honored. And so then I just sort of started thinking about what drew me in, what drew me to this idea of home and how the works from like these different artists can work in dialogue with each other. Um, and that's how I selected them for this exhibition. And so you you had a sense, even when you had submitted the application and all the materials yet, you had a sense of what you wanted to say. Exactly. Yeah. I wow. had a sense, I had a sense that this idea of home is so it's so central to the migratory people's experience. Um, like the idea of you know, leaving a, a land of origin and coming to a land of arrival um, and where home can mean in both of those places or in the places between, um, for example, the refugee camps, the water that, you know, boat people spent days journeying upon. Um, can that place be home too, no matter how transient that may have been? Mm. And so the exhibit is called Across Land, Across Water. Um, it, it, it has the Vietnamese language on top, which I'm not yeah. going to try to even yeah. mess with, but <laughs> you have the translation across land, across water, uh, and it is very beautiful. So, so you, you knew the artists that you wanted to work with, you call them up and they yeah. are gracious enough to say, you know, pick, pick whatever you like. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the title itself, the Bangkwanuk, it means, mm -hmm. 
it, it came after uh, I had an original name um, at first, and then it came into conversation um, with Antonius, one of the exhibited artists during our Zoom call. While I was actually in San Diego at this point. I was still working in, in many I, Are you seeing all of America? Because... <laughs> I'm from San Diego. So yeah, at this point, I was in my childhood kitchen, like doing these artists, deciding, trying to put this show together in two and a half months, which is, you know, exhibition timelines are usually a year, a year plus. So um, it was quite a little bit of a frantic time. But um, during one of my first conversations with Antonius, they were talking about um, nuke and from a linguistic standpoint, um, nuke in Vietnamese can mean several things. And I thought it was such a beautiful way of thinking about home for migratory peoples in this very specific, through this very specific Vietnamese lens. Like the word nuke can mean like a homeland or it can mm -hmm. also mean water. And so thinking about how then water has been a home for Vietnamese people historically and it's been imbued with even with even more meanings of home as in the past 50 years. Um, so that was that was kind of what inspired the, that new name uh, for the exhibition. It's very beautiful. And uh, I love the, the artwork that drapes across the, mm -hmm. the gallery itself. Um, yes. It looks like water or gives me that sense of water and it's on the ground too. And, but it's woven in a way that, I mean, it's just stunning. Yeah, it's been, it's definitely brought a lot of people into the gallery and it warms my heart because I think a lot about how uh, like museums are typically elite spaces and it's hard for, you know, an underrepresented people to feel welcome there, especially when they're not seen on the museum walls. And so I think um, one metaphor that's imbued in that and that sculpture by Antonius um, is the idea of like a safety net of embrace. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, a fisherman's net, which is in a work nearby um, in that exhibition, but, you know, thinking about the water again, and, but instead it's like this net of, of an interconnected generations of Vietnamese people, like holding each other, but also welcoming, um, you know, the community in, um, I think, and how, yeah, it's, it's stunning, it's gorgeous, it's, it's colorful, and it's brought so many people in, and I've, I've got to teach them about Vietnamese culture. These are like traditional Vietnamese garments called ao yai and having people say, you know, where can I get one of these? And for me to be able to teach them that they're, that they're traditional Vietnamese garments, it's just, it's been really, really amazing. Yeah. I, I love this idea that, I mean, we know so little about Vietnamese culture. At least I will say I know so little about Vietnamese culture. I, I know that I know about the war. I know about... Uh, I have Vietnamese friends, but I know very little about the culture. I, I know about Vietnamese food. So mm. a part of being a curator, I would imagine in your role that you you get to educate people. You get to tell people or share with people, this is the history, this is the culture um, that they may not have, have knowledge of. Exactly. Yeah, it's been... I, I try not to to tell too much. Um, I think in curating, we're taught to uh, not let words guide too much of what the the viewer 
how a viewer experiences a work, but especially when it's an underrepresented narrative like this of culture of, of a people, um, I think it's super important, um, especially in that first wall text that I give that sort of context. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really wonderful teaching people um, about Vietnamese culture for sure. Even my friends and like my professors who have come in um, to the to the exhibition and have seen and went to the opening reception. Um, it was a joyous thing to share something that's been so central to my identity mm. and my life. Yeah. So you know, there's this whole movement of uh, conversations that the art world is having across the the globe, right? About how to center. Uh, BIPOC voices and uh are you are you seeing some of that being opened up to you and to other artists of Vietnamese heritage I I see it's hard to say on a on a wide scale or a U.S. wide scale I think that this exhibition is one of the first uh solely Vietnamese American group exhibitions in the country. Um, I'm currently writing my thesis on like these works and in the process I've researched quite a bit Vietnamese curators and Vietnamese group exhibitions and they're kind of far and few um, quite frankly or they haven't been published um, and most of them are centered over on the west coast which makes sense because 70 percent of the Vietnamese U.S. diaspora is in California um, but it's still odd I would say um, that in, yeah, knowing how central this or important this war has been to the history of the United States, um, that their perspectives or, or artworks by Vietnamese Americans um, solely in an exhibition are hard to find. Um, and I think though that this movement of, of um, opening museum walls and doors to BIPOC voices. I, I surely hope that this will open greater doors for at least Vietnamese voices to enter. Um, and so I, I see the I see the beginnings of it. I think that this movement will will embrace um, you know all all sorts of underrepresented voices, including Vietnamese peoples. So now, do you do you feel like you have to fight? De being defined as exotic and exotic and fetishized and all of that kind of stuff that that people sort of come to um asian folks uh mm -hmm. and their art and their and their culture do you mm -hmm. do you feel like you have to push back on that narrative at all i i do and it's it's difficult because this reminds this question reminds me of a conversation I had with one of the artists of you know they're talking about a series of their works and they're kind of talking about it in terms of like oh this this show is more Vietnamese-ness like I don't know if I want that really to be the main thing that's pushed um, out and it's that idea of the fear of being exoticized fetishized of you know if we have mainly representational images of Vietnamese people, that that will be what people get out of it, as opposed to, you know, appreciating the artwork by the artists themselves, um, and to not place such a, a, a marker of, of fetishized Vietnamese identity onto it, um, which is why you'll notice that the representational sort of, um, uh, like, portraiture or things like that are, are not as prominent um but there are there's that series of transient figures in the exhibition um 
And so, yeah, it's definitely something I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how we can celebrate the artistry of the artists themselves and not so much center, yeah, not so much center them as like an exoticized figure, um, for sure. Mm. So as a curator, um, do you, do you want the art world to contact you for only Vietnamese representation of Mm. art and culture, or do you see yourself expanding that, that, that idea? Yeah, I definitely see myself expanding that. I think my passion, like, stems into, stems from, like, wanting to uplift underrepresented voices, and because I have, as a Vietnamese woman, I feel like I have the knowledge and the background and the language to help this narrative in particular um, uh, be, you know, out in the public, in the museum world. And so that's where I'm beginning. Um, And then I also am thinking a lot about like uh, parallels between diasporas. So Afro, Latinx and Asian diasporas. Um, My best friend is Cuban American and she and I have like very similar, not stories, but ways of thinking that I Mm. think have, has really fascinated me. And so I think a lot about how our relationships to migratory experiences and how those traumas and those experiences are kept in the body throughout generations. Um, So I see myself moving forth in the future towards opening up towards parallels between diasporas and working amongst diasporic contemporary artworks um, more generally. Mm. So, so where would you like to land? Because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're about to graduate and uh, you've done an internship in uh, Alabama, you said? Uh, <laughs> Arkansas. Where, where, Arkansas. <laughs> yes. Where, where would you like to live? Like, what is the, what is the dream? Like, it, immediately. Immediately. The dream, I think, is to be able to curate more Vietnamese group exhibitions. I think, and 2025 is the 50th anniversary of the fall of Saigon. And amongst myself and the artists, I'm thinking a lot about curating a group, a larger group exhibition that will travel um, around the country. Um, I think I would like to land somewhere in Washington, D.C. at one of the national galleries, I feel like, because that that projects very much an image of historicizing mm-hmm. what is placed there. Um, I think that's super important. Um, I do also, though, immediately see myself returning to California where there is um, like a large population of Vietnamese people to learn more from the artists there, um, to explore more of their artworks. And I am from California myself and to be around my family um, as well, I think is super important to me. Yeah. So do you, do you, do you have to also push back on the Vietnam narrative that may follow you um, because people feel some kind of way about that particular war still and that, uh, uh, you know, there are people who say we should not have been over there. There are people who say, you know, uh, I mean, there's a lot of still a lot of feelings around that that conflict. Do you do you do you get caught in the fray of that? Do you have some say in that? Do you do you have to push back on that narrative at all? 
Yeah, I think one way that this exhibition pushes back on that narrative is it doesn't call the war the Vietnam War. It puts a Vietnam slash American war in all descriptions because from the Vietnamese people's perspective, this war was actually called the war against Americans to save the nation um, or the American war for short. Um, and so giving that other perspective of this was not a war of, you know, uh, the U.S. coming in to save a nation from any sort of thing, um, but that there was there was much more nuance and much more uh, aspects of conflict that aren't historicized. And so I definitely see myself pushing back on that narrative. And I, I do so through my thesis and I do so in those ways in the exhibition. And I see myself doing that more through future curatorial opportunities or um, scholarly work for sure. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the immediate goal uh, you share, what is the biggest long range goal? Like, like what, what does Ivy want in the end or not mm. in the end, but you know, the great, the greater goal. The greater goal. Um, in terms of concreteness, I think to have like an exhibition, like really celebrating the resilience of Vietnamese peoples in a large institution like the National Gallery or the Smithsonian, I think would really say that these peoples are worthy of celebration and that their stories are worthy of historicizing. I think in terms of more ambiguous, not ambiguous, but um, less tangible terms, um, I would love for there to be like a network of Vietnamese curators, artists, like for young Vietnamese people to know, um, to know that their, their stories and from generations back are worthy of being celebrated, that they can pour forth their artistry, that that will be received and celebrated um, from here on out. I think for the generation who immediately immigrated from Vietnam, like my parents, um, that first generation, for them to know that their stories are worthy of being celebrated because and I was speaking about this with um, one of the artists, like that generation is starting to pass and for them to live in this like perpetual, you know, in between this stage of still feeling like the war has continued even in a new country mm. um, in their minds and their hearts, but like living with the tragedies, the losses, but without recognizing that they have overcome in such a beautiful way, that that journey is in fact beautiful, that that they they aren't able to see that. Um, I think I hope through my work long term that they would be able to, um, at least in some communities or as far as the the word can spread, um, as much as they can see. So, so so what do your parents think of your your art history education? Do they do they understand? Now, I I I have friends from all over the world and. I can't imagine that Vietnamese parents are any different than Jamaican parents yeah. and Puerto Rican parents when kids come home and say, 
well, I want to do this because I would imagine the conversation probably could have been like, well, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had my fair share of that. I'm not going to lie. You know, first it was like, what is Yale? And then it was like, what is our industry? (laughs) You know, Um, so... No, I I have developed slowly like the Vietnamese vocabulary for art and art history over the years <laughs> as I've like Google translated and scrambled to like try to get them to understand what sort of work I'm doing um, because it really is not a common thing. I mean, I already know that through my research of like trying to like contact <laughs> Vietnamese curators and learn about Vietnamese group exhibitions and all of that. But no, definitely my parents were like, what is that? Um, so it, and they definitely had other expectations. I came into this also thinking I would do art history and then go to law school. And then, then when they realized that wasn't a thing, it was like, then what, what is, <laughs> what is that? Um, so yes. Yeah. Had my fair share. Yes. I, I, I can imagine, particularly with immigrant parents that, you know, they, they have a different idea of what, uh, what they deem success. And I was just wondering if you had some of that with your, with your family. So, so um, what, what sort of art speaks to you when you, when you go to a gallery or you hear about an exhibition, what, what drives you to go see it and want to uh, look at it and, and, and be a part of it or know Mm. something about it? What, what is that like? That's a, that's a very compelling question. I think most simply, I love art and the idea of being able to see art is just so like I I jump at every opportunity. For example, like the Harvard Yale game is this weekend and um, I've decided that instead of going to the game, I'm going to, you know, I'll make it out to Boston, but I will go to the museum instead um, <laughs> of the actual football game. <laughs> told all my friends and invited them um, because I would much I would much rather prefer to do that and um, the idea of learning something new I think really compels me um, whether it's about a people whether it's about you know how they've seen the world what they think I always know that I'm going to be challenged in some way um, going to take something away that will come 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 to me in, in ways that will inform me throughout my life, how I interact with people. Um, if I come across something and it reminds me of the artwork, I can always like teach them about it. Um, I think art is such a beautiful reflection of the way people see the world. And I I just feel like it's the best way to learn about them without ever having met them. Um, so I think that's what really compels me to go see art. Um, mm. if I don't know what, what, what I will find, um, I know it'll, it'll be wonderful. So do you have an absolute favorite artist that you, that you like, or that speaks to you more than anybody else? Absolutely. I, <laughs> yeah, I love, love, love Yayoi Kusama. Um, she's a Japanese artist. She worked in the United States uh, for a while, um, but it's now back in, in Japan. I, well, I was actually at Crystal Bridges in Arkansas. Um, 
I did my capstone like uh, public tour on uh, her infinity room um, called My Heart is Dancing into the Universe. And I'm also a dancer. And I actually, because I was working there, usually you can only spend about a minute um, inside of this, you know, square room with all mirrors, all lanterns inside that glow. Um, and it looks like you can literally see infinitely into every crevice. Um, and I actually got to spend 40 minutes in there by myself and just, wow. and just study it, um, really just feel it experience it and then I also danced in it and I was like I'm probably the only person who has ever danced in this room (laughs) I love it yeah and she just has a beautiful way of thinking about the universe that I think has really impacted me um I think that's what draws me to her and why she's my absolute favorite artist is yeah, the way that she's influenced the way I've thought about the universe. Um, and so she has, um, she sees polka dots often. She has these hallucinations um, since she was a child. Um, and instead of what you, it used to scare her, but then she's learned to think about it in terms of like her smallness in a comforting way within mm-hmm. the universe. Um that the universe is yeah infinite and that she is but like a polka dot but that you know there's so many out there there's so many out there sharing those experiences that she has that can feel the way she does um and I think that's such a beautiful way of looking at the world um there's this moment inside of that room you know the, the lanterns are all glowing at different you know rates with different colors but for a second they all glow this beautiful like pink mm-hmm. and it makes me feel like you know, even though we're all working at these different frequencies, going at these different paces of life, that at some moments there are these synchronicities that, you know, we can feel each other, that we are empaths to each other, and that we share this core human experience. And so anyway, that's that's why I love her work and why she's my favorite artist. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, it's such it's such a joy to talk to you. I when the the moment that I met you, the moment that I saw the the exhibit, I was like, oh, I want to I want to know about her. I want to <laughs> talk to her. So because it really is a stunning exhibit, and I encourage people. How long is it there too? So it was just extended. So it'll be up until mid January. Oh, that'll be great because I'm yes. telling you, it does a lot for that big giant window. Like you walk oh, yeah. by and it does invite you in, like it calls you in. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, well, good luck to you. Congratulations on a well received, well talked about exhibit. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. It's been so lovely. It was lovely meeting you at the reception and so lovely to speak to you again here. So thank you. Well, you keep me posted on what you're doing. Seriously. I want to, I want to follow along your curatorial journey. So, you know, you got my email, drop me a line when you're back in Arkansas or wherever, (laughs) wherever in the world you're going to (laughs) be. Let me know what you're up to and, and feel like you can always come and talk to me on this show if you want. Absolutely. Thank you again for inviting me. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy enjoy the Harvard game. (laughs) Thank you. Enjoy it. Thank you. You know, at the gallery. (laughs) Yes, I will. (laughs) Certainly. Thank you so much, Miss Ivy. I appreciate you. Thank you you. so much, guys. All right. Harry, we're on our way out. We got Monday down. 
tomorrow I'm talking again. Guess who's on tomorrow? I got another guest tomorrow. I'm delighted to have uh, Dr. Uh, Nat- Natasha Wright from Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority. They are celebrating 100 years. So they are following in a long line of sororities and fraternities who are celebrating 100 years. So I'll see y'all tomorrow. I'll be back. Y'all stay warm because I believe it's a little brisk out there. I'll see y'all. <laughs> Thank you.